We are finally a week into Major League Baseball, and man, it feels good to actually think spring has arrived. We got NBA playoffs or playing tournament, or I don't know how you want to describe it, but that's kind of going on. The transfer portal has taken over college athletics. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and Baseball Biggie. Baseball Biggie. Why is it Baseball Biggie? Is it's it just time of year? It's spring. Eternal optimism and eternal optimism. Know your lame son. <laughs> Mr. Brown says, back off, bitch. There's only one baseball historian in here, and it's not you. Uh, well, you're, you're glad baseball's back there, right? Absolutely. Uh, the I Rawlings mean, World Tour is in full swing. All right, so let's let's update the, the masses with the update of the, the day with your big plans this summer. So you've been putting on social media. I'm part of some of it. Yeah. Uh, Biggie's part of some of it. We actually already kicked it off right. by going to the home opener for the Cincinnati Reds. Even though we didn't go together, we both were right, there. Right, just right. on the opposite ends of the outfield. But what are you doing this summer? I'm trying to hit as many stadiums as I possibly can. And how many uh, is both, it in the uh, Young and – or old and new. I think I'm up to seven cities right now. Okay. And tell the listeners what, what we're eyeballing so, so far. So we, we had Cincinnati Tuesday. Yep, that's done. Uh, against the Guardians. Great but weather, by the way. It was 65 and partly cloudy. Yes. Let's the get fl- sexy. Oh, Let's we got sexy. sexy and sensey, I tell you. You could tell that Mr. Brown was in the left field bleachers because we were in the or the right field bleachers. Right, we're left field. Right. You were in right field. Hmm? You were in right field. I, I know. I got confused. I was in right field looking over at the left field bleachers, and you could tell something was brewing over there. Now, I couldn't hear it from where I was at because it was only an isolated group of like 100 individuals that were going rabid. But uh, you were uh, a ringleader of sorts. I, I was, but for anyone who's never been to a major league game, my personal opinion, and I've been to probably around 35 to 40 big league games now, maybe even 50, I've had to count. But the thing is, I love to sit in the outfield seats. Yeah, I could afford behind home plate, but I feel like when you sit in the outfield seats, you're surrounded by fans who truly appreciate being there, and you're going to have a much better time. They're not just throwing their money around. It's actually people who want to be there. They want to be there. Sometimes when you sit behind home plate or behind the first third baseline, they're just there. It's corporate sponsored or oh, yeah. free tickets, and it's like you're scared to make a sound. But anyways, yeah. go ahead. Well, the only time I ever sat behind home plate was at a Reds game uh, about, probably about 18, 19 years ago. Michael Fisher, I think his uncle or somebody lived in Cincinnati yep. had tickets to Reds don't, games. Don't bring it up. We're not going down that road. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say I went up there with him, and the tickets were behind home plate. And that's the only time I've sat there. And uh, but it I, had a much different feel to, to it. To that, I do remember – that there was people sitting in front of us, and there was an old man who had a couple, uh, couple ladies with him, right? Whoa, 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 whoa! When I was behind home plate, just me and Fish went. Now the one you're talking uh, about, where I didn't know y'all had a solo. Okay, I know what you're referring to. That's what the, I thought you were going with. No, the, uh, so full disclosure here: when we went, I was working at the dog track. He called me that morning, had tickets. I called in sick. 
I didn't wear a hat that day. I sat behind home plate. My forehead got so burnt. It's the worst burn I've ever had in my life. I went to work the next day after calling in sick with a burnt forehead that was peeling mm. like immediately. I mean, that's why you caught off, right? Yes. You it told was, him, it was like, awesome. I have sun poisoning. I, I'm forever <laughs> grateful to have gone to that game. But I remember Chad killing the ducks. I, I said, don't bring it up. Yeah, I knew. I knew. Right, we going. don't need to alert the authorities of my inhumane actions. But my, hey, if, you're not, if we're not bringing up the ducks, don't be bringing up me not respecting my own. Okay, <laughs> that that was fun. I remember that vividly. Right, let's move on. All I was saying was to your point about the atmosphere, the closer you are to home plate, you know, we did have the old guy in front of us of like two twenty somethings that just happened to go to the game with him. Uh, but didn't we get a ball in that game that like it bounced off the guy in front of us? Yeah, I remember I talked to Julia Franco and John Smoltz in the same game. Yeah, that was uh, a game. They're, they're bullpen guys that got a little bit uh, out of out of control for the bullpen, so they're just back there hanging right, out. Right, right, right. I feel like it's not recognizable when you go there now. Like you can't even that whole area doesn't even look the same. It now. doesn't. It, it doesn't at all. So different. But so, it, anyway, great experience. You you had the uh, outfield bleachers going crazy. Yeah. So we had the. Uh, so it was crazy. We had. Uh, Anybody seen Impractical Jokers? We had we broke out a really nice "Let's Get Sexy" chant. Let's get sexy, and it, it, le- it led to uh, Naquin's uh, is Naquin 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 Tyler Naquin Tyler Naquin. He did a, a two, bomb two run homer to tie up the game, and then two of my biggest supporters they drove that point home. That's why they tied the game up was because of that chant. Also, we had a surprise guest appearance by Macho Man Cincinnati style. Right, which was Macho amazing. Man's got some legacy in Cincinnati, and yeah. it still lives on. Oh yeah, yeah, and he he was. Playing the part well. Um, the flyover was amazing. Oh, it was. We had the helicopters, man. So you had that young, uh, I think, blind girl. She yep. sung the national anthem. Oh, the singers were amazing. No, she like she was what do you think eight nine years old? She, well, I couldn't tell. I'm just, but she was a young girl and she sang amazing. Oh yeah, and she done that. And I've been to flyovers before in Atlanta, but they use the fighter jets and they're gone before you know it. But you can hear them. Yeah, I love the fact they used the four helicopters because they're way more majestic as she was singing, and they're still flying across the stadium. And it, it was a cool experience. You could hear them coming, but you didn't know from where. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. It was just like you're looking around, you know, trying to figure out where it came from. You know, between the pictures you guys put on Facebook, the game itself, 10-5 game, you got to see some scoring. And uh, this is discussions we've had. The only part of opening day for the Reds or in Cincinnati that was pitiful was the owner's comments. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's... How do you feel about that? So you have the the majority stakeholder is Bob, uh, and then you got his brother Nick. And Nick is the one that, you know, they'd kind of put their foot in their mouth here recently, so he doubled down by sticking his other foot in his mouth. Uh, he's a jackass and hashtag sell the team, Bob. Uh, that's there, there's a billboard. Oh, but they'll move the team. Right. I mean, like this is like villainous stuff here. You're telling the oldest professional franchise in in all of sports that you're going to ship them off that you're, you know, what what are your other options? What are you going to do? Not go to the games? Well, then we'll see what happens. We might, I mean, then we'll just make money by moving the team somewhere else. Like, and then he tried to like apologize the next day. And, and like it's so bad, like yeah. you, like do you not realize like it's so bad that the Reds ownership has not gotten any national media attention until this week. Dick alert! <laughs> That's pretty much exactly it. But they were making the rounds. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, like all these guys are going to talk about this asshat now. Yep. And and the thing is, 
they're, they actually have somewhat of a plan to be competitive down the road, whether or not they stick to it and it works out is, is yet to be seen. But you can't say things like that. Like, what a PR nightmare. This is like somebody who just got – like, it made people wish Marge Schott was alive and she was a Nazi. When, uh, <laughs> just think about mm, that. When one of our favorites from the 90s who then went into politics, Keith Oberman, puts you on blast and he's completely correct, yeah. uh, you know you're way, 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 way wrong. Yeah, that's how you align the world. Like, just, you know, say some really shitty things about the fans in Cincinnati who keep supporting a team that you've not made competitive in a decade. Yeah, you, and it, that's a crazy thing. It's not like they signed a couple guys that were already there in the offseason and they just haven't won. You got rid of everything. Your businesses themselves are failing. And well, what are you going to do? You can root for someone else? We're here. Come to the game. You know what this is? This is, um, I'd say, I'd say Bob and Nick Castellini both probably didn't have good experiences in youth sports as kids. The other thing, too, is I've seen some of the players that left, like we got Suarez and Winker, and Winker has said, you know, he would have loved to have played for a oh, winner. Yeah. The fans are great. Uh, uh, Castellanos yeah, has made some Cassianos of those really, like, shit on the ownership because yeah. they didn't even try to retain him. Exactly. No, he, used to, he praised the fans, but was like, it's sad that they're, they're in a situation they're in because the owners. Oh, you know how many how many Castellanos jerseys did you see yesterday? Or the oh, I saw a ton. There was a ton. You know, I mean, and he was just there for a couple of years, but he immediately embraced the city and they embraced hey, him. And, and I'm going to say this real quick off the record. Um, so after his uh, not wife, his mom, Michelle, joined my baseball group, uh, I'm not so sure somebody even heard jerseys because what a fox. Talking about Castellano's mama. I am. I saw that. Hey, you know what? If there's, uh, you know, <laughs> if we can have New York Jet quarterback moms, you know, get love then why can't we have Phillies and, and she might be a Philly huh? no she is there's no she might be she is anyway that's uh the baseball group America's pastime for a little Correct. baseball yeah you know? but don't solicit them uh unnecessarily you know we we want to keep our professionals uh cordial and keep them involved there but anyway uh Mr. Brown I wanted to kind of tie to something that you uh had put up and and I said a second ago when we talked about the Reds ownership I said it's like it's they're probably like the bad example of youth sports, right? Like they weren't taught the right things when they were young. And it's probably why their business keeps laying off people because they suck at their jobs. But uh you had something that you were pretty passionate that you put up that, that's hitting well, close to home. Before we get into that, we gotta talk about the rest of the schedule. We didn't get into oh, the schedule. You're right. My God. What's the rest of the stadiums? And then we'll hit your uh, social media. So page. then we had that opening day with the Reds. In three weeks, Canadian Biggie and I are heading to Atlanta. For we're both heading to Hotlanta for Hank Aaron Atlanta. weekend. Gotcha. I'm staying for two games. Biggie's coming down for Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be his personal tour guide and show him all the hot spots, all the, the monument fountain area of the Braves historical sites. It's going to be amazing. Might eat at Wahlburgers. I don't know where we're going to eat at. I'm going to show him the store baseballism. Uh, it's going to be fun. Don't eat at Wahlburgers. It back. No, it's fine. I'm going to be there more than one day. No, no. You don't eat at a chain. No, it's fine, though. You can eat at Wahlburgers in Cincinnati. Yeah. I, and it, I, I was destroyed when I saw the, the poorhouse and some of the yard houses in Cincinnati. Yeah. I thought that was an individual thing in the battery, and it's in Cincinnati, too. Yeah. That destroyed me. Yeah, there's um, one in Vegas. There's a couple in Vegas. All right. So, but there's barbecues. There's anything you want. 
I'll do anything other than that hundred and fifty one dollar burger. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't. But do you that. get a replica World ring. Series ring with a hundred diamonds in it, <laughs> and it's got everyone's like one hundred fifty one dollars, but it's got a full lobster tail on it, which is going to be forty dollars in a restaurant. Yes. Yeah, at a ballpark, that means that's eighty right. bucks. But yeah. uh, anyway, yeah. so uh, Hank Aaron weekend in three weeks, and then uh, for our annual Lake, uh, Lake Erie fishing trip, we, we decided to split it up between Port Clinton and. Chad, DeMarc, and I and a few other buddies are going to head up to Detroit. Rock City. And we're going to watch the Tigers take on the uh, everybody's favorite uh, darling this year on paper, the oh, Toronto yeah. Blue Jays. Yeah, with the probable AO MVP who's right. hitting bangers already. Three home runs in a game, which his daddy has never done. With a bloody hand. So that'll be fun. I'm excited to get up there and see the Ty Cobb statues and whatnot because I love seeing – how the setup is outside of the stadiums. And their their gate to the ballpark looks phenomenal it does. in pictures anyway. It does, because you got the Tiger out there. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that one. I've never even been to Michigan before, for the record. Okay. So, I used to live in Michigan, for the record. Was it good? I've been to Tiger Stadium, old Tiger Stadium, late 80s, 1988. Actually, I saw Conseco, McGuire, Cecil, Dennis Eckersley, he's a dickhead, by the way. It was good. Uh, just <laughs> I remember that turn. story now. That Are you going it. to a day game? No, it's a night game. Oh. It's, a Friday, it's a Friday night game. Good God, get an Uber. Friday oh, night in going. Detroit. Okay. Yeah, so we got we got Detroit, and then a week later, me and uh, Drew the Shrew, a friend of the show, yep. we're heading to Wrigley Field in Chicago to watch the Braves take on the Cubs. And then a month after that, I'll be in Clearwater for a week. We're gonna. I was like, you know what? We're in Clearwater. I know the Rays playing a dump, but I've never watched a game <laughs> in a dome before. I mean, that's the highlight of this trip is the trop. Yeah, I never watched a game in a dome, so I'm like, you know what? I'm the, first of all, I ain't been to this place, so I might as well go. It just so happened the Red Sox are in town, so that made it great. If I could drop about ten pounds, I could wear my Ted Williams shirt. <laughs> and then go watch the Rays play the Red Sox. So we got that going on. And then after that, uh, I got Pittsburgh and Atlanta in August. There you go. So there you go. That's uh, that's a hell of a summer. Yeah. Wife's okay with all that, Pittsburgh right? again in September. Uh, yes. <laughs> She's going to have to be. Yes. And potentially Pittsburgh again in September or against the Blue Jays. Yeah. So uh, hopefully – the later part of the year, you'll have multiple competitive teams, but it really, I don't even care, right? Like, it's just fun to go to these games. Correct. And um, are, are you going to swing it? So I'm also making a trip to Wrigley, but I couldn't go the same time you guys were going because that's, that's way too much back-to-back, and I got my 20th wedding anniversary right around Ooh. that time. So my wife did not think going to Wrigley Field qualifies as a really good wedding gift. Priorities! But that being said, <laughs> uh, are you doing the stadium tour? I, it didn't work out that way. It's not okay. But it's like I'm not saying it will never happen, but we was I wanted to squeeze a game in, and it happened to work out when they're playing the Braves. So I'm not mad about it. Yeah, don't, you can't be mad. But uh, so we're going to try to go the second week of July, and the uh, same day I'll be in tr- at the Trop. Right, you're going to so be at Wrigley. We're going to be representing nationwide. But anyway, we should do a quick segment we, via Zoom and different cities together. You know, yes. it'll be fine. But we're doing the we're going up um, on. I think the I can't remember the days of the week. The game's on a Thursday, I think, and so Wednesday's an off day. So if you do the stadium tour at Wrigley, we're talking about like Harry Carey. We're going to stay where he was at. We're going to go to the dugout, on the field, all that good stuff. So that in itself, I feel like I'm going to be walking on hallowed ground. So I'm pretty excited for that. That'd be pretty cool. Biggie, you got to get to Seattle. 
Uh, I want to go. I'm going to eat some deep fried uh, grasshoppers, a few crickets. I mean, we got fans out there. They'll, they'll show you a good time. I would love to go out to a game. It sucks now. When I used to live in North Dakota, I thought it was at least a possibility to go there once and watch. Now I'll have to win the lottery for it to happen, but it's a really nice ballpark. Yeah, you know, the we, we've talked about like bucket list ballparks that we'd want to go to and things like that. Like I've been to Baltimore. I've been to Washington. Baltimore's beautiful. Um, Pittsburgh's beautiful. Cincinnati's okay. Um, Cleveland's close. We haven't been there. Um, you've been to Philadelphia, Atlanta, obviously. Um, Fenway. You've been to Fenway. I've been to Fenway. Um, haven't been to Wrigley. The Comiskey is out there. We're going to get Detroit off there, but like a lot of the ones I'd really want to go to are out west, man. And they're just, uh, it's a haul. I- I'll tell you the two that I'd like to go to that I haven't been to. And I-, I know one of them for sure. What? It's got to be San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and drop this now. It- this is kind of a uh, show coming up we got coming up. For the baseball segment, yep, we're going to be going live from McCovey Cove with Zach Ford and uh, Dave Edland, who's uh, uh, I can't remember think what his name is, but he's notorious out there among Giants fans. And I was talking to Zach; we've had on a few times. Yep, this guy, once the game starts, he's out there in his kayak. He don't take plays off. So he studies the hitter's tendencies. He knows what's he 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 kayaks. Does he have the uh, the buzzer that That's the catchers I'm, are using now? So he yeah. knows like what this the trajectory guy might be. Has his own shifts out in the cove, depending on what batter is up to plate. So that's insane. So he's shifting. Yes, they didn't ban the shifting and, the cove. And Zach said we're going to have to either do it before the game or in between innings because the guy is so in depth with this that he won't talk during an inning. You know what this is? Go- He's not Joey Votto. This is this is like uh, when we go to Lake Erie and you, you pretty much know when you're going wildlife fishing, all the charters just follow each other because right. if one of them's catching fish, they all just go. So I wonder if all the other kayakers out there just watch this guy and, they they, fall. and wherever he goes, they all move. They like, don't need a ball finder; they're just following Dave. <laughs> they just follow him. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was cool. Um, they actually approached me about it today to do a Zoom call with both of them while they're in their kayaks on the water, and that's be the first time ever. You know, we should tr- try to make more of an effort to get some of these nationwide fans to go live with us when they're at a game, like, yeah. uh, even if it's just for five minutes, you know, just because, uh, I mean, it helps to see some of that ambiance. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it, they, they brought it to me, and I were like, we'd love to do a show, and I'm like, sure, Heck we'll put yeah, it together. Man. Heck yeah. So that you're correct. One of them's San Fran, and the other one I would love to go to is Bush Stadium. So and that one I think is going to be more of a reality sooner than later. As much as I hate the shitbirds, that one is not too far away. Dude, uh, we can and, be there in eight hours, right? That, that one's not super far. And then uh, you know I I think Milwaukee's not too far either. And that would be another one. I know it's an indoor stadium, but isn't it retractable? But yeah, but they 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 really put a lot of effort. I hear the area around the stadium is phenomenal. Um, but uh, those would be fun. Uh, and for whatever reason. Now, I really dig Petco out in San Diego. Like, I, I like how they kept the aesthetic of the warehouse building out there and whatnot. And, and Probably the best weather in the country. I mean, that, for any that alone makes field. me want to go there. Yes, the, the best weather and in the country. And less likely definitely. to get stabbed than if you went to, uh, you know, Chavez Ravine. So. I will say this, and that's Biggie's go-to line, but I would much rather go there than Dodger Stadium. Right. I mean, you'll Hands survive. Down. 
I, like the yes. only reason I'll go to Dodger Stadium is just so I can get a shirt that says I survived Dodger Stadium. Mm. <laughs> a shirt is only for a Dodger dog. <laughs> no. I would I would only go to Dodger Stadium if the tickets were free and they were playing a team I liked. Uh, I mean, I just I just not that interested in it. I mean, I'm sure it would be great, but it's just Isn't isn't it insane though when you think about it that you have Fenway and Wrigley and then Dodger Stadium is the third oldest park in Major League Baseball and most people view it as just a shithole and it's not a national treasure? I know, right? And you know what's even crazier is I think everyone probably thinks that Oakland has the oldest one because it is yeah. a shithole and not a national treasure. No, it clearly is. Uh maybe we gotta get that one before we get that's another one you might survive. But. I mean, if the players got to pay for soda, how much would the fans have to pay for soda? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Dave Justice. <laughs> it's his birthday today. Is it really? Yes. Well, happy birthday, Dave. Yeah. All right. So uh, the the baseball tour stuff's going to be fantastic. Just er, before we go into your, your post that I know we want to talk about, just early thoughts on the season. Uh, I know a series does not the season make, but it's so funny to watch all the overreactions from just a few games when it comes to the, the baseball season. But uh, I, I think everyone has discovered that there's a guy for uh, Cleveland that uh, apparently is going to hit like 800 the whole season. That's what everybody thinks. Yeah, yeah. Projections are 800 with uh, 143 home runs, right? Yeah, something like that. Quan uh, don't have no home runs. He just Kwan, gets on yeah, base Kwan's every time. A, uh, he's, a, he's a factory hitter is what he is. Yeah. Oh, I'm but, sorry. Vlad Guerrero's hitting 143 yeah, he, home he, runs. He's on that yeah. trajectory yeah. right now. Because that, that's how baseball works, right? Whatever you do in the first couple uh, games, you know, that's the whole year. But uh, pitching has the, been pretty, pretty rough so far. Well, the thing is, and as you said – I'm not getting wrapped up because, like, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. So the Braves have a losing record right now. I'm not worried about it. Acuna's not back. I'm still trying to figure out many, many things, as all teams are. I think it's the pitching is the biggest thing for everybody. Well, I mean, right? the thing like, is, though, probably one or two weeks from now is when the pitchers would actually be reporting for opening day if it was like – Based uh, on the timeline. Right. And, the, and you got to think about this. So – if you have any pitchers on your roster that were minor league uh, players that got the call for the big leagues and made the squad, they have. They've been there all along. Yeah. So they're already stretched out. And you can move because you can only you can only opt people to AAA what five times, but if you do it before May twentieth or something like that, it was end of April. Maybe it is in April. But anyway, you can do it unlimited times before that. It doesn't count against you. Uh, so the thing is, these guys are still getting their reps in. And that that's what I've noticed is you haven't really seen any dominant performances. But was Hunter Green – but was Hunter Green – he was he wasn't – he was added to the roster, right? Yeah, but yeah, he was – is- He was there for the full spring. Correct. So you could tell that guy was stretched out. Yeah. Yeah. You know so what I mean? Those, yeah, there's there's definitely guys that, that, like, he knew as a rookie that he was going to be part of the rotation. So they left him with the, the main roster. But uh, the, the reason why I was bringing up pitching, because there was an exception. We had oh, most God. pitchers have really struggled. But, I mean, you want to talk about stirring up the masses today and yesterday with uh, talks of yesteryear and things of that nature. When no, did no, it become only... acceptable to pull Clayton Kershaw in a situation like that? Let's, well, let's Dave talk Roberts about that. Dave Roberts is your manager. You're getting a max of seven innings because he did the same thing with Rich Hill five, six years ago. Now, Rich Hill was held together with duct tape, but right. when they make that move and Dave Roberts is the manager, it doesn't surprise you. And I get it. They're talking about Kershaw. He's been injury prone. He only threw 42 pitches last start. Blah, this blah, was his blah. first start since he's come back off the injured list. To me, there's there's – 
two things, just as an old school baseball guy. One, there's been 23 perfect games and over 200,000 games played. You've That's got a chance something you go for. It's not like it's a regular no hitter. There are a lot of people referencing Johan Santana and how he never was the same and all that, but he had only thrown 80 pitches through seven innings. What is the harm in letting him go back out there and see if he gets through the eighth? He gives up a hit. You take him out. Now I get it. They were in Minnesota. It was cold, all that sort of stuff. He's injury prone. We need him down the stretch. Remind me again, he's better than John Smoltz in postseason, right? He's better than Kurt Schilling. That's why you need him down the stretch, right? Yeah, he's, he, the, he's the one guy that you're like, like, it's okay if he's hurt in the postseason. Let him go for history. He's a freaking postseason bomb. This is a Hall of Fame pitcher that, you know, why, why aren't you giving him the opportunity to just, you know, chase down yeah. this elusive thing? I, I, and I get it. You're playing the long game and analytics, but it, this is the thing. Analytics rules all. It blows my mind. And you mentioned the Reds, uh, the oldest team in history of the game. Over 150 years, we've only seen 23 of them. It's crazy. And it could have been 24. I, I'm with Biggie. I feel like he should have pitched until he got a base runner. Um, like it's not like let's so you don't have to chase the no hitter, but you chase the perfect game. No hitters are all the time. The the no hitter, you yeah. If if somebody if he walks somebody, pull him. I mean, even whatever. If it's not perfect, you pull him. But the fact is, he still had twenty pitches to go. I mean, by our today's standards of you know mediocrity. But uh, I I say let the guy go. I mean, because that could have cemented his legacy right there. And this this is like the problem. That I think a lot of average fans have with baseball now, right? Well, you can't say that, for the record, in my group, you can't argue with anything today or you're automatically labeled a boomer. Yep. Because, like, and you're supposed to just be open to every single change that Manfred and his cronies and the game and analytics are doing, or you're just an old boomer that don't like change. Well, explain to me – then why in today's game with load management and pitch counts and conservative approach to longevity that we have more pitchers getting hurt now than ever? Oh, and better training and better technology for scientific, like, I, I think it's everything. Is it because everybody thinks they have to throw 100 miles per hour? I mean, yeah, see, I think what's changed, and like they were saying, I heard this uh, with Kershaw. Oh, he was only topping out at 91, 92. Okay. That, that's Kershaw. When did Greg Maddox become a, what do you win the Cy Young? Four straight years in the 90s? Well, has Kershaw ever been a guy to blow you away no. with heat? No. And, and that's the thing. He, Maybe he Kershaw's up there to that his, point he, now he where it's minute. been a minute. It's, it's, been a it's minute. his stuff instead of his speed, just like Maddox. You don't have to throw hard, and they make such a big deal out of hitting 91, 92, because like you just said, Chad, everybody's got to throw 100 now. If you're not throwing 100, what are you doing out there? Yeah, and we talked. They talked about that on the show. I'm trying to think which game it was, but they were, they said what was the biggest attribute for a pitcher in in the '80s, and it was on MLB Network. What was the first attribute you asked for in a pitcher in the '80s? What would you think it'd be? I mean, uh, if I if you, I mean, I'm trying to think. Would it be uh, be able to pitch nine innings? Would it no, be just, able to- just I'm talking about like uh, so. The biggest attribute in the 80s was location. Oh, yeah. okay. I got you. What do you think the biggest attribute is today? Speed. Velocity, correct. Yeah. So that's how much has changed. And we've talked about it before that scout comes and sees Greg Maddox today, a clone even, that can locate, locate four different pitches on any count in any situation, but don't top 90 miles an hour. You don't even get shot. Like, so you have a Hall of Famers out there that don't throw 100 
but not even if they're 95, but they're not going to get looked at, but they have impeccable control. And what I don't understand is um, you have the shift still in play. It's going away. I understand that. But wouldn't you think that if you just had somebody that can induce ground balls like crazy, like that would be an attribute? Like I don't care how fast you throw, but if you can locate and you're constantly putting it down and in and down and away and they're able to always induce these ground balls. I mean, if you're throwing sinkers and they can't like – and you're just – they're just – pile driving into the ground and they can't get their launch angle and all that nonsense you're inducing ground balls and the defense involved you know what i mean why wouldn't you like that uh i don't sinker ballers have uh, they've succeeded since the history of the games began so well the other thing too when you talk about rule changes not to interrupt you there but i was listening to john smoltz the other day he was on with dan patrick so another rule change let's go to an automated strike zone everyone says okay the hitters are going to know exactly what a strike is and they're going to hammer it Smoltz is the complete opposite, and I agree with him. You keep the strike zone where it is, and you take these hard throwers that can throw 99 at the top of the strike zone, they'll never hit it. You're not going to have guys hitting. Nobody's going to hit 300. You're not going to have 40 home runs. You can have a bunch of 2-1 games. Yeah. No, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not going to give an advantage necessarily to anybody. There's going to be some hitters that are able to tee on things and just take it to the moon. And like you said, your certain pitchers are just going to get dialed in and know that, like, this guy always is going to see this and not swing when I just put it high and inside and it's going to be a strike every time. Uh, I mean, it's it's like anything, man. It always equals out in the end. That's why I get so upset when people want to fight for rule changes for the sake of rule changes to try to make the game better when really players evolving and just changing their, their abilities is what makes the game better. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, last thing I, I want to ask uh, before we wrap up baseball talk, and I finally get to Mr. Brown's uh, social media post, is uh, the Reds, I know, have been one of the teams that are using the the uh, communicator between the pitcher and the catcher. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is it just is that fine? Is that part of the game you're okay with? Or is that strikey is a little funny? Or are they just being overly cautious about making sure the trash throws don't uh, steal any more signs? Me personally, I'm fine with that. I mean, because I mean, it's it's all we're doing is using technology to prevent cheating, and I'm fine with that. Um, now the Braves and I. I the Braves got pissed a few times because the Reds were moving a little too fast on the mound. But here's the thing. Both managers have to agree with it before the game starts. Yep. So if you agree and, you know, you're mad, but you, you got to get in and be ready to hit. So I'm not mad about it because even then a team using it can get crossed up because they might think something wrong, different. So, I mean, it's I, so I like it. The actually. game we went to, the Cleveland was using it. Did you not notice, like, Bieber's tempo? Like, I, that dude was on the mound and throwing. Like, he – Right. And I was listening to Tyler Stevenson talk about it, the catcher for the Reds. He's calling the next pitch before the pitcher's even back on the mound. Like, so they already know. And then two people in the field – are able to have it too. Yeah. So like a center fielder might have it and it gets them more in tune with the game because they might know what pitch is coming and they got the card, they know the tendencies and they're able to react a little differently too. So yeah, I saw a center fielder. I can't remember what team it was for, but they had the same setup you were just talking and he ran down a ball in the gap and he said the reason that he was shading right center was because he was on the call, knew where the pitch was going to be, knew it was going to be on the outside and his pitcher was throwing hard and he figured right-handed batter, it's going to end up going into the gap so he shaded that way and that's the only reason he was able to run it down yeah. so i'm okay with that i just i wonder if there's like a button you could hit on there where it's like here comes skip hit the showers you know 
<laughs> I just want one that says, give me a heater. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, where are the yeah, white I, I, You know, they always complain well, about We got to have a Joe Baker game. back. Joe, yeah, Rube Baker back there. Rube Baker. He's back there and he's like, oh, screw this, man. Just give him the heater, Ricky. Give him the heater. <laughs> Uh, as in your section. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> the uh, Hey, if it speeds the game up, all these people get upset about the speed of the game, they should be okay with it, right? Uh, I'm not even mad about it. It's fine. No, nah, it's fine. We'll be, be what it'll be. So uh, what what was the, the post you wanted to talk about? You, you had something you put up there for the world to see, and it got some uh, interesting reactions because people argue over if you just say it's a stick. So. Yeah, it was so bad I had to turn the comments off. It had like 350 comments and – 800 likes in my baseball group, but this is a sign on the back of a dugout in the youth leagues. I don't know if it's youth league, middle league, or little league, high school, middle school. It says, uncoachable kids become unemployable adults. Let your kids uh, get used to someone being tough on them. It's life. Get over it. And I posted and I'm not thinking nothing about it because to me, it's about accountability. Right. And uh, so many people were spinning it like – I had a guy say I was a child abuser. I should never be allowed to coach. Stay away from the children. <laughs> well, clearly. And uh, then, the FBI is waiting outside. You just don't know that yet. It, people took this as that just uh, dictator-like coaches are just screaming and yelling at kids. And I'm like, it don't say anything about that. Like, all, when I read that, all I think about as a kid, you know, working on kids' attitudes – and being open to constructive criticism and allowing them to tweak their game to get better. And I got that there are like coaches everywhere that, you know, that probably are idiots. I got right. it. But I feel like the majority of coaches genuinely want to help kids. And I know from my experience coaching, like I knew like when I was coaching softball that my daughter, we've did several drills and stuff and she was prepared, but I wasn't there really to coach her. Because I know she knows her stuff. I was there coaching the kids that came from like broken homes. The grandparents were raising them because their parents weren't. And to me, that's where I wanted to make my biggest impact on these kids and maybe benefit them in a positive way because they may not get it at home and just help mold them to maybe become successful adults down the road. I mean, I know it's Little League or wherever, but it starts somewhere. And even if it's – them thinking, oh, man, I remember that moment. That's the moment it turned around for me, and it makes you feel good because, you know, they had no structure at home, and, you know, they needed it. Man, I, I'll, I'll liken it to this. You know, I, I work in sales, but you guys all had teachers growing up too. And like in sales, we always say, you know, people don't always remember what you might have sold them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And with teachers – you you may not remember what you learned from those teachers, but you remember how they made you feel. And when it comes to coaches, it's the same way. And I, I think it's it's easy for everyone to be a keyboard warrior, obviously. But when I when I hear you talk about it the way you just did, um, man, it, it makes me want to get back into coaching again because you feel like there's an opportunity. It's not you know. Yes, you, you, you try to win games, right? Like that's the ultimate goal. But your, your real thing is helping these kids find their way. And think back to when you played youth sports, whether it was high school or little league or whatever it was, peewee football, I don't care. Can you think back and remember like some really bad teammates that you had? And let's be honest, those people might have struggled in life as we got older. Like I can actually recall a couple of those and, 
I, I can't think of any really good teammate I had that didn't turn out to be a pretty decent person. A am I just making a fallacy here, or do you guys feel the same way? No, the only kid I ever really struggled with was my own because they felt like the rules didn't apply to them because dad's coaching or they were their spot was going to be there, so you had to work them a little harder. The other you kids, always got to be harder on your own, man. Yeah, the other kids understood the rules, and then when you're fair to them, they'll kind of pick each other up. You don't have to be the dictator. You know, it's kind of, well, their parent, they might be upset, but for the most part, their parents, unless they – view things in a completely different way are going to say, well, it's obvious you haven't been putting in the same effort as the kid next to you. You shouldn't be playing as much as them. Like, I think it's, it's, it's piss poor and it's a sign of what our world is that you can put that out there. I see it purely as an accountability thing. Work hard, get an opportunity to play. And so many people took that as the videos you see of the coach screaming at the kid that's six years old. That guy should never be around kids. But guess what? You know why those videos get out there? Because they get clicks. That coach who does that or hits an ump or screams at a kid. You're seeing the negative a hundred times. In a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, but think about this. Everyone has a cell phone now. Like, like to drive your point home. Everyone has a cell phone available at every second of every game. And you see those come up every so often. But how many games are played during that time where you don't see anything? Where nobody's going to post that. Thousands and thousands, thousands of, the of games. And we see the one coach that's acting like a jackass. And that's what we're going to focus nobody's on. Nobody's showing you the video of the kids shaking hands in line and telling each other good game. Or mm -hmm. the or the kids on the bench rooting their ass off for their teammate who maybe hasn't had a hit in three games. You know, and the coach just sticking with him because he's a practice warrior. Like, there's no context of that stuff no show me the the umpire being a jackass show me the coach getting a fight with the the parents show me a parent on the field because that's what's going to get you a million views so have a little rational thought and think that uh how often does that really happen i mean use that noggin right here and think that like you know that's not common it happens but there's jackasses in every profession. Right. Well, the other part of it, too, is that how many times do you see a video where the parent gets involved and they're yelling at a coach or a player because little Johnny or little Annie or whatever isn't getting something or it was a bad call? What that sign says to me is you signed your kid up for a sport, allow them to experience it, you talk to them afterwards. If there's something completely out of line, you'll handle it then. Same as the other one that the guy posted in there where they're just kids, let them play. It's the same it's the same goal on both of them. They're your child, but you signed them up to experience something for themselves, see how they handle it, be a part of a group that's bigger than they are. It's so many people take it as I'm not, like we said, going to allow this guy to yell at my child. Well, then don't sign him up. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 because that's all volunteered, unpaid stuff at the youth level volunteer well i don't know the sport well you're a positive impact that's as important <laughs> you seem as to know a else. lot about how to criticize it yeah <laughs> well it was funny because the guy that posted the their kids let him play and little johnny's trembling when he comes up to the plate he's got all this pressure blah 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 my point is i agree with both signs and I said, dude, I agree with both signs. You know, now what? You know, like, it's okay to agree with both. Why didn't you post both? I'm well, like, the I, one I posted wasn't meant to be division. Yeah, like, so it's like, is it is it unfathomable to agree with both? <laughs> because I'm not like. No, they're mutually exclusive. Never. I'm like, yes, they're kids. But I, 
you can still – that's the moment while they're in the heat of the moment. The coaching comes every other point. You're not mm-hmm. going to scream at a kid when the pitch is coming down, you know, in delivery. So it, just, it, it blows my mind. And I feel bad for society many times. Like, if we didn't do this, fellas, I'll be honest, I would probably be a hermit somewhere, uh, probably on a lake in Michigan, and you would never hear from me again. Ah, Dude, I think about being a hermit every day because of the world, and I ain't going to lie. And here's my question I want to ask you guys, because let's let's recant what, what's been discussed here. We've talked about Clayton Kershaw and – you know, what happened with him and not getting the perfect game or the opportunity to get that. We've just talked about what it was like when we were kids playing sports and that it was okay to get that really constructive criticism Mm -hmm. and feedback. So, you know, like you said, what do you get called whenever you don't agree with the things that are going with today's game? You get called a boomer, right? Boomer alert. Boomer, right? Okay, boomer. And we're we're Gen X millennials, to be honest. Right, correct. We're early We're borderline millennials. Right. Uh, we definitely identify more as Gen X, but that's neither here nor there. That being said, when did you realize that you were the old man that said, get off my lawn? Like, that's what we are. Like, that's just what we did for the past 30 minutes. We've been the old man that, that get off my lawn. Do you know when it happened? Are you cognizant of it or am I being dramatic? Uh, for me, I kind of realized it probably about six, seven years ago, mid 2010, 2014, 2015, kind of through that area, coaching and some different changes in professional sports and obviously a different view on things in the world. And all of a sudden I was in my early thirties here and I'm like, Oh my God, how'd I become 65? <laughs> well, <laughs> how it feels. <laughs> and I'm going to play devil's advocate. I don't believe I've hit that spot yet. And I'm, cause I believe in rational thought. I will say this to you that I feel like our generation compared to the generation behind us is the biggest gap in the history of the world. Uh, I relate up way more to someone who I'm going to turn 40 for the record next month. If I would have a conversation with someone who's 50, we have way more relatable things than someone who I talk to that's 30. Okay. Oh yeah. I feel like the gap between forty and thirty right now is the biggest generational gap in the history of the world. And that's it, my opinion. It sure feels that way. It does. And I, I think I think Biggie said something the other day about like when someone asks you about something that happened thirty years ago, you're thinking about the seventies. Yeah. It ain't the seventies. <laughs> it's nineteen ninety five. You know, it's it sucks. So here's what frustrates me though, because we're truly the last generation that had the outdoors, you know, let's ride the bikes without the helmet. Let's drink from the water hose. Yeah, there's all the that nonsense. Time to come home. We just started the video game era, but it was like Atari, then a Nintendo. Yeah. We were the beginning of that. We were the beginning of computers. The so internet. The, the, the point is, the we went through we went through dial up, and now we're on the really fast stuff. But the point is, we've had a mixture of both. It ain't like we just had one or the other. We've seen life granted at a younger age. Without it, and now we see how it's evolved in the last 20 years, right? 30 years, whatever. But so to say we're incapable of rational thought because we don't agree with one certain perspective is ludicrous. It is. I mean, and to say that we're like, we're not embracive of technology, like, I wear an Apple Watch, we all have smartphones, we're doing a podcast for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, we're on social media, we, we reach million of, millions of people 
on a monthly basis. So like we're not anti-technology and we're not saying that we wish it was the good old days about everything. Like, trust me, it's nice knowing that you can go to the doctor and get healthcare now that's actually going to cure something versus if it was the 70s, I'd just say rub some dirt on it, right? Right. What I appreciate is that uh, the more you move forward, you can appreciate where you were before this because like you just said, the generation our kids are will never appreciate automatic windows not having to have a handle up and down and stuff like that dial up internet so if you want to say i'm gonna get off my lawn guy sometimes because i remember when you just hung out with your buddies you all showed up the same place it wasn't a bunch of text or a facetime don't need to leave your room because everyone's right there yeah that was our generation we're the last generation of people that will feel that way if the same conversation is had in 25 years with our kids and their kids they're going to think we're dinosaurs. Dude, yeah. I, I shudder to think what it will be like in 25 years. So look at look at kids today, though. The, the, many of them are so awkward. They don't even know how to have conversations. It's not awkward to them, though. It's just how they are. I know. But they, don't, they don't know how to have like actual interactive conversations with an actual that's person. That's probably my biggest pet peeve right there, and that's what I try to stress to my kids because they want to text or they want to look down at their phone and see a text when you're talking to them. And I try to tell them life is still lived right here. Eye-to-eye right, contact, talk. face first. The when, most hated rule in my house is that you're not allowed to have your phones at the dinner table. Oh, which yeah. that, that goes for me, too. And my son's like, you got an Apple Watch, though, so you still see stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to look at it, though. But it, it's uh, Shut up, Nate. When you pay the bills, you can make the rules. Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> but it, it's it's like one of those things uh, where I, like they, they always try to cheat. I just look at them, and they're like, I, I just had to answer that real quick. I'm sorry. you know. But the point is, it's kind of what you're saying. Like, we've lost the ability for human interaction. Now, that being said, you know, our kids need to be – able to have interactions through technology that's taken over their life in such a large way. Like I get it, but you still got to be able to do both, man. And, and it's, it's just crazy. And I, and now we have been the old man that said, get off my lawn. Cause we've just gone on a rant about, you know, things like that for, for a good minute, but you know, it all ties back to what you said uh, and, and the way people reacted to it. Uh, it. It's crazy that that can be offensive to some people, but we're honestly just, we're, we're fans of letting people, make mistakes and learn from them and it's going to be okay. And if your coaches can do that in sport and can help you evolve and get better. And we're not talking about the psychos that scream at the kids. We're talking about ones that give them that, that stern, honest, honest feedback about how they're doing. Right. Like when's the last time a stranger's just been honest to a kid? Well, he thought thought he was honest until he got in the van. Doesn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often. Well, I'm saying those are the weirdos that shouldn't be coaching. Uh, yeah, stay away from the van, especially I, if it I just, doesn't have windows. And don't go in the sewer. You no. can't. <laughs> that that guy that here. you see on the video is not all of us. That's one in hunter, one in five hundred. It's just frustrating because there's a lot of people out there who either are really passionate about the game or passionate about helping the kids. And they're not the ones that get glorified because they don't get clicks. And it's just frustrating. You That's can, all. I'll you're going to coach next year, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Stick to it. Get back to coaching. <laughs> I enjoy it. And you can tell we were withdrawn on baseball for some time because, man, my lips are tired from talking about it so much. But, you know, we have other things that are going on in the world of sports and, 
Something that when we talk about being the old man that says, get off my lawn, I, I do not like the NBA play-in structure where we're just letting these garbage teams compete for the playoffs. But whatever. We did it because of the bubble, and some things are just going to let stick around for whatever reason. But, Biggie, Mr. Brown, did you get a chance to watch any of the play-in games? I caught just a little bit of uh, Nets-Cavs, which Nets won, and I saw half a quarter of uh, – Hornets and Hawks. That was it. I fell asleep before the uh, Pelicans beat the Spurs, which I see Pops probably coming back for one more year. And then what's the other one that we had there? Mm. We had uh, Clippers. Clippers. Clippers yeah. and T-Wolves. That was the one that I heard the most about. I didn't see the game, but apparently the uh, T-Wolves, after they won, were up on the score Patrick table Beverly. like they were Jordan winning six titles. Hey, when's the last time T-Wolves been to, been to a playoff game? Uh, second time they've made the playoffs in the last 18 years. Say <laughs> 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 should celebrate. Like, don't, hey, they say act like you've been there before. Well, when you ain't, it's okay. So, go, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, Patrick Beverly, too. Like he had a reason to be. Yeah, here. that was a team that didn't want you no more. And you yeah. want to shove it in their face? By all means. Oh, that's yep. cool. That's a good story. Uh, I hate the fact that a team almost 20 games under 500 is competing for a playoff spot. Yep. It completely waters down the situation of the playoffs. Now, granted, you're not going to see that eighth-place team probably dethrone a, a number one seed. Right, so why even the, have it? Unless it's the Denver Nuggets. But uh, <laughs> the fact is, man, it, it, it waters down everything. And I got it. It keeps fan bases involved. I don't like it at all. I feel like that's too like if 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 a team is under five hundred even for that matter I, I cringe. Yep. But now we're saying twenty games almost. Yeah, you got it's cringy. Or twenty games under five hundred to get a chance to go to playoffs. So at least two home games worth of tickets bring in some more revenue. I, I do have a few questions here, and one of them is kind of a takeaway. So last year the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young, because him and Luca will always be connected, right? right. Traded on draft day. So. The Hawks, man, they had made huge strides last year, and they're playing the Cavs tomorrow for the eighth seed game. Like, how far back did they fall, and why did they fall? I don't know why they fell back so far. Eastern Conference Finals last year. I think it was that the rest of the teams just got better. Honestly, because like the Hawks are still over 500, like they're they're 43 and 39. That's not a terrible record. Well, you look at the teams. But to in be the in the conference, Eastern oh. Conference Finals, though, you you would think that they're gonna. That was the beginning of things to come, in my mind. Oh, Celtics I, got a lot better this year. The Bulls got a lot better this year. Sixers, uh, the Nets. Cavs got a lot better this year. So they didn't fall off as much as we think they fell off. They made a nice run into playoffs last year. I want to say they were the five seed. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were a top two team I just, last I year. I felt like they were like a darling. You thought could, they would make another step. I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, uh, I can see that. So we got the Hawks and the Cavs tomorrow. Do you all have a f- preference there? Uh, the Hawks, because I, I I think Trey Young's good for it's the It's in league. Cleveland. Yeah, I know. But I, I think the Cavs uh, the are a nice are. story, but I, I just, I, I'd rather see the Hawks because at least Trey Young as a. Because that, that's for the eighth seed. Yeah. Uh, they'd be playing the um, Miami Heat. The, yeah. I mean, that, that look, right, you want right. your story. Like, right. what if that would be amazing? He could be the Kim Bay. I would love to see the Hawks holding the, the Heat basketball on the floor. Dude, Trey Young led the league in assists and points. You know what else he did that? 
when he was at Oklahoma and he like college basketball and assists and points. And you're like, he is just a straight up baller. They need Kyle Herter to stand up like he did last year, ball yeah. out. Uh, a couple I, other guys to to contribute. I I could see them beating the Heat because they've got the guns uh, to do it. I mean, they, I, I'm, no, the I, Heat are the most overrated to, one seed in no, the history I, I of basketball. It's not the biggest shock in the world if it happens. All right, so the other game, Pelicans and Clips. So will we have an un, like surprising appearance like WWE from a player coming will out the Grimace, tunnel? Is Grimace going to come out? Who is that? That looks like are they throwing dildos? Who is that coming down the tunnel? Of course, he's got to talk about that since he's a Patriots fan. We're about to, Zion so, doesn't deserve this, it. This, this will Jumbo. show. We're talking about Zion. This will show like you Burger. how much I've even paid attention. Did Kawhi ever make it back? No, no. So neither one will come out the tunnel, right? No. Okay. No, but one of them is a lot heavier than the other. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thing I don't get about Zion is that he does the layup line. He's doing three sixty dunks. Yeah, but, but they did won't you see him. the the dents he's putting in the floor when he lands? Like, he's literally, like, when he lands, like, you can see the wood move on the floor. He, like, registered on the Richter scale. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, no. I would New like Orleans to get the- another hurricane. <laughs> I would kind of like to see the Clippers win that game just so the Clippers make the playoffs and the Lakers don't. Yeah, that, I mean. Lakers. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers are out. Them they, and the Clippers share, the playoffs as far share as a building. Oh. So Clippers get to play a playoff series. The Lakers are out of the playoffs. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. All gotcha. Right, so there's your playing tournament. Ooh, so wow. Clippers will win. How do they not even have a game on tonight, though? How do they take a day off? What type of screwed up scheduling is that? That's jacked up. They were talking about that this morning on Dan Patrick, and he was like, okay, what is it about tonight, Thursday night, that they're so afraid to go up against? Like, what is on TV that they don't want to compete against? Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and Washington Capitals. I, Yeah, yeah. I have one more question about the playing games. So the Hawks destroyed the Hornets yesterday. Will the Hornets ever make that step forward? I mean, like, because we know how good of a player MJ was. Owner, not so much. Of course, I don't think he's doing the personnel decisions. He's got his GM and all that. Right. But so will the Hornets ever – Get there. I mean, they keep. I feel like they're that team that's always on the bubble, but never get there. They never sign a a list free agent. They always get your second or third tier yeah. guys, and then try to make them tier one. And that's why they always stay where they're at. And See, and Lamelo, can he lead them there? I think that if they're able to retain Lamelo, they're going to trade and draft well. They have a chance. But anytime, like you just said, when they have a big name free agent, they end up losing him. And when they do sign a guy, they overpay for somebody like a Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I just I, I don't see it happening. From everything I've seen and heard, is that Jordan is a good owner. He attends all the games, but he's hands off when it comes to all the rest of it. He lets his people run it. So well, you, that's what you should do. People. Yep, absolutely. You you've done your work and you bought the team, so now well, let the, people do their job. The other thing that Fire hurts him is that yeah. he also has the Jordan brands. Like Luca's a Jordan guy. Luca can't play for his team because he already is endorsed by Jordan for uh, footwear. Oh, it's, really? a, it's an NBA deal. Look it up. You're saying Luca can't come to the Hornets? Not as long as he's a Jordan uh, athlete. Wow. There's some type of deal. Are you re- sure? Because it, don't- I'll double check this before next week's. But the way I remember it being explained before was if Luca comes to play, he can come as a free agent and play for less money because Jordan has given him a shoe and he's going to make a ton of money that he wouldn't have made on his contract. All right, we're going to stop the show right there and we're going to fact check this. All right, after our crack research and investigation team got on the topic there, it appears to be that Jordan is no longer able to have any recommendation on Jordan brand players. 
Yes. So he can't, he can't say who gets to be Jordan brand and who doesn't, uh, because it would be tampering essentially. You're, you're trying to, I, I can only pay you this much because of the salary cap, but you're going to be a Jordan brand guy. So here's some money. Uh, so Jordan, uh, since 2015 has not been able to have any say officially banned by the league yes. from deciding who wears his own shoes. Yeah. It's so, terrible. That's, uh, that's what you get for being so damn big. I know, right? Like, you're, you're, So what uh, would happen if a couple of guys came to the Hornets, were big-name free agents, and after they signed there, they got endorsed by the Jordan brand? Like, so now Luca can come because he's already a Jordan guy, right? Right, right, right. Correct. Okay. Uh, so, But, yeah, it is. there is some suspicious about uh, suspicions about certain guys who really don't strike you as Jordan brand guys that happen to have deals after they were in Charlotte. Yep. Just saying. Makes sense. They're looking into it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Speaking of uh, deals run amok, the one other thing I just wanted to ask you about is uh, we, we've gotten further and further into the NIL stuff with college athletics. You talk about sweetening the pot and throwing deals people's way. You got Dabo and Saban and everybody losing their mind over this stuff. And these are the guys that are the haves, not the have-nots, and they're telling you it's a problem. So, like, what? how do you undo Pandora's box at this point, or what's happening here? I got to start first because I'm not going to have much to add here. But when you have people like Dabo and Nick chiming in like that, they're pissed because they're already leading by – they're killing everybody in the whole country with the way it currently is before the nail came in. Yep. So they don't want it to change because they know they can dominate without it. So now that there is – it's coming in, I heard Texan, Texas A&M and was like, every starter gets 50K in nail money. And that's every starter. So, like, you have teams that might be, like, coming up to, f- to fight the almighty Alabama, and they don't like it. They don't want to have that there. So I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but WVR school that we root for recently just got a former five-star player to transfer from Georgia to come JT to West Virginia. Daniels. JT Daniels will be the quarterback. From what I understand, that brand-new truck was sitting in the parking lot when his ass pulled up to the Puskar Center because uh, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, uh, you're, you're getting him. Here's the truck. You know, you're going, you're going to do commercials for such and such and all that. So, uh, I mean, that's just part of how it works. Like, there's no rules to this anymore. And I'm all about a player, you know, to profit on their likeness. But the, the amount of uh, flexibility the schools and institutions and boosters and all these people have to get involved with it is just mind-blowing. It's such a complete, like, change of events because it's like now it's like blue chips and there's no cover-ups. What, what if you just – what if you just put the transfer uh, disciplinary rules back in place to where if you transfer, you sit out a year or lose a year of eligibility? That's because right what, now, the portal does not have a clock on it. You can yeah. do it anytime. I could be at practice today and tonight. I could be like, I'm going to take my talents to the transfer portal. Uh, how do you say his last name? Mesador just left WVU. Yep. Tuesday evening, he was in positional meetings. So they were doing their yeah, two weeks. USC. Friday morning, he was gone from the from the university. And uh, Joseph Adai, or Adai was there, who used to be with us, who's with Georgia. We'll see where he lands. But he was being recruited on our campus by another coach. And that, I think, is what Saban is getting at, is that – you have these diff- different big events. You may bring in alumni. They recruit your players away while they're sitting there. Dude, there's nearly 2,000 kids in the transfer portal this yep. year. I like what you just said with the portal. If you're going to do NILs and the portal, you have to come up with a system to where the portal is only open like twice a year. 
yeah, preseason and postseason. Limit it and, and, and make some people have some commitments. The, yeah. the, look, if the school is going to give you a roster and a scholarship and, and make a commitment to you, then shouldn't you have to commit at least for a certain amount of time? You know, scholarships were always year to year, right? They could pull it at the end of right. the year. Okay, now you have to make a year commitment. You can't be four games into the season at Georgia and say, you know what, I've decided to reopen my recruitment. And all the NCAA has to do, look, you're not taking money out of the kids' mouths or pockets if you do this. You're not taking food out of their mouth. If, if they just simply said, you have to sit out the next season after you transfer. Yeah, like no matter. There what. should be some kind of consequence, right. and the way they could do it is that you tell them you don't lose a year of eligibility. We'll give you an added fifth year, but you're sitting for a year because this it's basically like the NFL if there was no contracts. Yep, you know, I mean, well, Dabo, basket- what he he called his guys baggage handlers. Dabo's made a few missteps as far as what he said, and you can tell it's what he thinks in a hey, closed room. All right, man. Hey, if it might hurt his recruiting, so be it. If it helps get this damn thing fixed, because yep. I, I, you can't convince me that's not why Coach K's gone. It's not why Roy Williams is gone. Yep. Uh, LSU's basketball team had zero scholarship players at the end of the season. Well, you look at Texas A&M, like you just said, their boosters have deep pockets. They're buying players. Uh, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's the uh, king of the transfer portal, and I was banging this drum last year with USC and Lincoln Riley. And you wait, give it three years. I don't think four you years. Give it three years. Hollywood, it just they're going to rule the world. Dude, I think you give it one year. I yep. mean, it's it's that because that that's the thing. It's all it's it's the way the world is now with the instant gratification and college athletics is now turning that for these kids. They're not sticking with programs. Like for example, JT Daniels, who was the number one rated recruit four years ago. This is his third school: USC, Georgia, WU. That's insane. So can I say this real quick? So I'm gonna be very honest. I'm more of a pro guy. All right, sure, so I'm we a, know that. I'm a baseball guy, NBA or football, NFL, NBA. Now, I've always followed WVU, of course, but I wouldn't branch out and like just watch a game on college athletics unless it's like a, a premier game, whereas you two guys would sit down and watch just a game. Oh, this is a nice Big 12 matchup. Right. Whereas I'm not that guy. So We're my, watching Army-Navy. <laughs> my point is, is that Dude, right. I will argue that – it's not even an argument. It's the truth. The fact is that there is more commitment now on a pro level than college level because you know that X player is under contract for X amount of years – Unless someone is cut. Hell, it's gotten worse or better because so, now you're given even more guaranteed money right. in the but NFL. My, than yeah, ever. but so like you have zero idea on any of your players in your program in college athletics now. So how do you as a fan, not just WVU, but any program, like get close to your group because you're like – I don't know who's going to be here from one year to the next, not because of the NFL draft, but because they're just going to up and leave because something better came along. This is going to ruin college sports it's, if they don't fix it yesterday. It's pickup ball. It's I, literally I, like, let's just, everybody's showing up at the field. I'm just saying, here is here. for me, it's like, it ruins my, like, I would love to watch it, but like, it, it's even like ruining my interest even more. Dude, it's it's ruined mine. Like, I have become so, eh, I'm not going to lie, when you get a blue chip quarterback coming in, it makes you get a little bit more re-engaged, but I, I mean, I, I'm so, like, we talk about our, our basketball team we root for, what, they have six people leave? I mean, it's just it's. It, but that's now just they just year. hit a home run in the portal themselves, and with JUCO, right? And, but that's but, but that's you have to have some kind of consequence, right? Like, yeah, you can go see the grass if the grass is greener, but 
this and, is your consequence. And if you want to have it to well, where if a coach leaves, then you don't have to have a consequence if you transfer. That's fine. That, that's fine. That's who recruited we're, you. We're right? not trying to be dicks about it. Just, you know, have a little commitment. I think that uh, we had that uh, Biggie's Daily Wisdom about the death of college football or college oh, yeah. sports in general, and you're seeing it right here in front of you. And I, and I think, too, it's, a, it's the same thing. You should have always got to transfer before. They always say commit to a school, but you commit to a coach. If he leaves, you should be able to leave. I just think that the, they're still being recruited in season. So there has got to become rules, just like with Messador leaving WU. You cannot be recruited during the season. There is got and the tampering there. It's nonstop tampering, and I think that's what Saban was getting more at. But nobody's going to listen to him because he's at Alabama, and they win like, every year. Shut up! You know they're paying <laughs> their guys, and you know those guys on his staff doing it too. Yeah, I mean you got to. I just if they can come up with a way to make it to where the kids still have that flexibility, but that they're not constantly being baited because that's what it is. You come in and you see this five star. There's two offensive linemen from Georgia that are in the portal right now that are looking at W after JT Daniels came. They're both five star offensive linemen. They were freshmen last year. You know why they're transferring? Because they're sitting behind five star offensive linemen who are good and they're not going to play. Those guys have been getting recruited since the middle of last season. I mean, you got to think, though. You got these kids, 18 to 22 years old. If Happy from the Boosters comes walking up to you and he's like, I'm going to guarantee you this, this, and this, how many kids can you manipulate from ages 18 to 22 that hasn't lived life yet? Yep. It's so it's such a bad system. Well, and the thing, too, about it, like you just said, so a kid leaves Georgia, he comes to, let's say, West Virginia, we manipulate him, we offer him some money. doesn't work out for us. Now he goes to another school. By the time he's 22, he left high school in Texas. He went to Georgia, West Virginia, New Jersey, ends up getting an relationship somewhere along the way has never got an education ends up owing money to debtors as a child here you're not going to hear that but that's what happens to a lot of these kids not every kid's going pro and if you allow adults to manipulate them and take advantage of them which is what happens because they dangle a dollar sign in front of them or a tractor yes so did you Uh, see where some schools they actually can just outright have a money pool for their athletes I heard that, but I didn't see that. I saw that there was a, uh, it was like a booster portal. <laughs> Your big boosters, like, uh, what's his name? T Boom Pickens, Oklahoma State. He could be like, I got five million this year if you're a starter and you're good. All right. So there's this, this thing called the academic incentive program. And there's only a couple schools nationwide doing it. West Virginia is one of the it's I think it's the only one in the Big Twelve doing it. But they basically put one and a half million dollars into their academic budget. And they're basically saying that if a student is meeting like academic eligibility things and 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 they're not in the transfer portal, then they can pay them like six grand. I saw that. And, I didn't know WU was in it. I know I thought there was one other Big Twelve school that was in there. Maybe it was just another school in the country. But yeah, everyone met their academics and they all got. Uh, yeah, here's, it's like it's basically six grand. Uh, yeah. But if you're in the transfer portal, you can't get it. Yeah, <laughs> so screw you guys. But I guess that's for like your your lower ones that maybe are working toward graduation. You want to try to keep them anchored a little bit. You know, tell the 19 year old it's like I'm gonna give you six thousand dollars if you just don't transfer <laughs> and go to your classes. <laughs> I mean, it's the end. I transfer. That's about yeah. as much of a stipend as you can legally do, I guess. But I thought that was kind of wild. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. The whole system's broken. Mr. Brown, as you were saying, I'm 
falling out of love with college athletics because they've just let it go haywire. And it's could you imagine if high school was done this way? Like at what point though will it not be? Did you know in our state they actually recently put that up for vote? Yeah, not having a transfer portal. It passed. No, it didn't. It, it did too. No, it I don't didn't. think it did. Yes, it did. No, it, they You're had free. like you can do whatever you want in this state. It was we're like just, ninety-two to six. We're, no. we're crazy like everyone else. Uh, uh, you get out of here with your nonsense. Anyway, uh, why did I, I will say this? I'm glad that it didn't pass because in Arizona they do have it where you can open and roll. Glazers out there, and it's you play. First semester, you're doing football somewhere. Second semester, you're playing basketball somewhere else or baseball. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. So, you know what? I, I feel like this has been the get-off-my-lawn edition of the podcast. You know, we need these every now and then just for therapeutic reasons, I think. It, it helps us uh, kind of, you know, realign where we feel like we should be. But uh, I've had fun just complaining about everything. Yeah, I feel like a liberal now. I think, uh, well, we don't need to even bring politics into a big, it's been enough chaos already. Uh, but hopefully people listening to this will have the same feelings. And if you don't feel free to stop by our social media and tell us how you really feel, because Lord knows they do every time you post something in the baseball group. Yeah. Let's just keep it on the page because it's not monitored as closely. <laughs> Please stay out of the groups with your nonsense, bring it to the page and you can argue all you want. Correct. We'll let you say anything in there. We don't yeah. delete nothing. Yes, but. that's correct. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Thanks for giving us a moment to invade your ears, even just for a little bit. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.